Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us. This is a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 361. It's titled, How to Buy and Sell a Timeshare Vacation Property. I recently got an email from a listener who said that he and his wife felt like their purchase of a timeshare vacation property was one of the worst financial decisions they've ever made. He mentioned that he's met other timeshare owners that are embarrassed to admit that they bought a timeshare. Yet he knows others that have bought and manage and monitor their properties closely. They use them to travel around the Southwest during the wintertime. I'm sort of in the same situation. I can relate to this listener. We purchased a timeshare property in Park City, Utah through Marriott Vacation Club back in 2006. It's been 15 years. There's been times I thought it was a terrible decision. And yet, there's other times that we feel like, hey, that's actually worked out really well for us. I've mentioned this timeshare I bought in earlier episodes, episode 24 and 57. When I went on the minivac, and that's what it's known as in the industry, when you buy a discounted vacation and have to take a tour, I was certain I was not going to buy anything. But they convinced me. And then Laprille left the room, and not only did I buy one week, but they convinced me to buy three weeks. In this episode, we're going to look at buying and selling a timeshare. Is it the worst possible financial decision? Or is there economic value there for some individuals that this fits their lifestyle? The timeshare model has been around since the 1960s. It started in the UK as an adaptation of families jointly owning a vacation property. The first timeshares were developed in the U.S. in the 1970s. This vacation ownership model has been around for over 50 years. Something that's been around that long can't be a scam. People have to be finding some value out of it, or they would stop buying them. Or if they were a true scam, regulators would have shut them down. So let's look at the economics of timeshares and whether you should buy one or sell the one that you already own. There are several models when it comes to timeshare ownership. The original one, like one that LaPrell and I bought, is a deeded ownership for a specific period of time in a specific unit. So we own the gold season, which I believe is weeks 24 to 36. We own three weeks within that season at the Mountainside Resort in Park City, right there on the mountain. Can't ski in the summer, but one can visit there in the fall and look at the changing aspens, and we've done that. But we own the deed. This is a real estate-like property 
that we own. There was a closing. Somewhere, I have a copy of the deed. Marriott, another of the bigger timeshare companies, no longer sell deeds to specific properties. What you buy is beneficial ownership in a trust. And it's like having a deeded ownership, but the trust owns a number of resort properties or actually owns weeks at a number of resort properties. So it's a point-based system. You buy a certain number of points. Now, in our case, we're able to take the weeks that we own and convert them to points and use those points to stay at other properties around the world that Marriott Vacation Club owns. Another model that's less common is a right-to-use plan. So there's not deeded ownership. It's just a contractual obligation. Because most timeshare vacation rentals are deeded ownership, like any other real estate, if you own an apartment and a house, it passes to the owner's estate when they die, which is one reason these are so difficult to exit. It's not easy to exit a house when you buy a house because you own the deed. And maybe there's a mortgage, so there's a lien against that deed. With vacation ownership or timeshare, the owners have a portion of a resort property. And like any other real estate, there are expenses to maintain that property that have to be paid by the owners. There's utilities, maintenance, property tax. There's roof replacement, painting, carpet, furnishings. Staff, since this is a resort property, who's going to run the front desk? What about housekeeping, cleaning? At the Marriott property that we own in Park City, the maintenance fee, and that's what these expenses are called, they're all wrapped up into what's known as a maintenance fee. For 2022, it's $1,512 per week that you own. So about $1,500. The highest expense areas, and they actually do a very detailed breakdown with well over 20 light items. It's a budget. Our budget this year is this much for this particular thing this much for this thing. And then they divide it by the number of owners and weeks outstanding, and that's your allocation. The highest cost areas are housekeeping. And then there's a management fee because each resort has a manager. Maintenance is another big cost. Owner services is a cost. It's part of the fee that goes to Marriott Vacation Club partially because it's branded under that, but also when I call up and want to make a reservation, somebody has to staff the phone. I rarely call up because I make my reservations online. But surprisingly, 40%, at least with Marriott Vacation Club owners, don't reserve their week online. They want to call and speak to a person. Of this maintenance fee, 28% is for major improvements. The roof needs to be replaced every 19 years. The building itself is painted every 10 years. Furniture and fixtures, beds, only last about nine years. That's their useful life. And so 28% of that maintenance fee payment goes into a reserve for some of those capital improvements. That budget that drives the maintenance fee is set by a board of directors that is voted on by the owners. Consider this. We own a resort property in Park City, three weeks ownership of one of the units. We vote on the board of directors. They set the budget. How this differs from typical real estate is there's no rent. This effectively is run like a not-for-profit. There is no profit based in that budget. 
There's the maintenance fees, which are the revenue, and there's the cost. Typically, in real estate, what drives appreciation is the rents are going up. If you own a rental property, you'll raise the rents every few years. And then because it's a cash flow-driven asset, the value goes up. There are no rents when it comes to a timeshare, which means that it's not like traditional real estate, and it certainly doesn't appreciate like real estate. There's value in the land, but there's also a very expensive building that needs to be maintained on that land. It's incredibly expensive to maintain these properties at the top tier. One of our real estate agents, after we bought a house, sent us a gift of a discounted vacation. We could go online and we could choose a vacation. And it turns out these vacations were basically poorly maintained timeshares. They were selling minivacs at a discount. So presumably they could give us a tour. But I was somewhat shocked at the decor of some of these places. I wouldn't stay there. So if you want a top-tier property, it costs money. And our maintenance fee has increased at 4% per year on average since 2008. With these timeshares, we could stay at a hotel. We could stay at an Airbnb. But with timeshares, you often get more space, at least compared to a hotel. You get a full kitchen. The furnishings can be high quality. And as I've traveled across the country, and we've stayed at Airbnbs, we've certainly stayed at many, many hotels, and we've stayed at various timeshares. There's a benefit to the predictability of knowing that the bed is high quality. And one of the things I have found frustrating with Airbnb, and I've stayed there since 2013, is figuring out, will this be a quality bed? How is this home decorated? How is the decor? How is, is it cared for? And just like there's different qualities of hotels, there's different qualities of Airbnbs, and there's different qualities of timeshares. The pro and I have been traveling across the country, typically staying at Marriott properties, but also staying at various resorts. And there is definitely quality tiers. And so if you own a timeshare, it's important not to compare apples and oranges. If you own a higher quality timeshare, they're going to be more expensive than a hotel. Here's how I think about it financially. When you buy a timeshare, you pay for the deed. This is effectively the right to stay at the timeshare, but it comes with an ownership deed. There's a closing. There's a title search. It's filed with the recorder's office. We paid $17,200 for each of those weeks. We've owned them for 15 years. I expect we'll be able to use them for another 30 years. So that's 45 years of the right to stay at a given property or to trade it out or to use the point somewhere. But effectively, we own at Park City. We rarely stay there. We usually trade them out. But what I own is that week in Park City. So a 45-year life for me, if I divide that $17,200 over 45 years, it's about $382 a year or $55 per night. That's what I'm paying for the right to stay at that resort. In addition, the $1,500 per year maintenance fee equates to $214 per night. So I've paid up front for the right to stay. 
And then I have the maintenance fee. So my comparable for other options is the sum of those two or $269 a night. When I compare two bedrooms at a Marriott Vacation Club resort and compare that to others, and I would say, having stayed at a number of resorts, that it's comparable to a JW Marriott or even a Ritz-Carlton. If you look at what they cost for a suite, not even a two-bedroom suite, just a one-bedroom suite, it's $500 to $1,200 per night. Now, that's a lot of money. But oftentimes, people get disenchanted with their timeshare because they realize this costs so much money, but many have not stayed or realized what it costs to stay at a comparable property with a suite, with a full kitchen. Another way to think about timeshares is to consider who's on the other side of the trade. Who is selling this timeshare? How do they make money? Before we continue, let me pause and share some words from this week's sponsors. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. We bought from Merit Vacation Club. Fortunately, they're publicly traded. Merit Vacation Club has 120 resorts across different brands. They own Weston Vacation Club, Sheraton Vacation Club, Marriott Vacation Club, they own the Ritz-Carlton Destination Club, St. Regis, as well as the Hyatt Residency Club. 
So there's 700,000 families that own in these resorts. Most are baby boomers, about 57%. About a third is millennial and Gen X, where we are. If you look at, and this is from an earnings presentation that Merit Vacation Club did, if we look at their earnings before interest, taxes, and depreciation, 29% of their EBITDA comes from vacation ownership sales. Individuals paying what the equivalent of the $17,200 that we paid. Now their typical sale is about $30,000. So that's 29% of their revenue. 20% comes from rentals, units that they own at a particular resort that haven't been sold to inventory that they rent out. If you go on Marriott's website to try to book a hotel, one of the options will often be to stay at one of these vacation club rentals. They get about a third of their revenue from management and exchange. Portion of the maintenance fee that we pay goes to Marriott Vacation Club for owner services, and also I'm sure they just get a cut of the revenue because it's branded under their entity. 18% of revenue comes from financing. Most people, when they buy their timeshare, buy it on credit, which is fine because, again, what you're basically prepaying the right to stay at an ownership property for the rest of your life. It's a big commitment. Oftentimes, there's some type of low interest rates for financing it or a bigger discount. I know we financed it, and then it was one of these deals, well, it was interest-free for the first year, but then you can pay it off. So we financed and then paid it off. Marriott Vacation Club actually takes those sales, those financings, and they package them, securitize them into a bond and sell them into the marketplace. So that's where the revenue comes from. Now, as an owner of a timeshare, you can also rent your unit to somebody and you could sell it. And we'll get to that in a few minutes. What Marriott Vacation Club has found, and we look at where are they sourcing their sales? Who is it that's buying these things? 30% comes from package tours, these minivacs. This is a big thing. Sell a discounted vacation package and then require the purchasers to attend a sales presentation, which lasts a very long time, two to three hours. 50% of their sales come from people vacationing on their property, typically existing owners. If you look at Marriott Vacation Club, their first year initial purchase is about $30,000. But within the next four years, the typical owner pays another $20,000. They buy more points or they buy more weeks. $6,000 comes from financing revenues. And then $4,000 from management fees and others. And so your typical client at Marriott Vacation Club pays $60,000 in the first five years. But the fact that they're buying an additional unit or additional points after the initial purchase suggests that most are fairly happy with what they bought. And they target very high income. Their clients' median net worth is about $1.5 million. Very high credit scores. Median income's over $130,000. That's just Marriott and their associated brands. My view is if you're going to buy one of these things, go with a top-tier brand because the comparable is suites at other top-tier hotels. The JW Marriott, the Ritz-Carlton's. The Four Seasons. 
If you're buying a lower tier timeshare, then there's actually more options, in which case it probably just doesn't really make financial sense. Now, I've not gone through all those numbers. I'm just familiar with sort of the top tier and comparing that to Airbnb and hotel suites. There is another term besides minivac, those discounted vacation packages that timeshare companies use to entice you to come and stay and go to a presentation. There's also a term called VPG, which is the value per guest. How much revenue per guest that actually takes one of these tours that, again, lasts two to three hours? In the case of Mary Vacation Club, it's $1,000. So their VPG is about $1,000. And so if we assume that the initial purchase is $30,000, that means there's one sale per 30 tours. Now, each of those tours, the incentive that they offer, every time we stay at one of these resorts using our points or our weeks, is somebody's calling me a week ahead of time and will keep calling me I rarely answer. They call suggesting they just want to talk about our upcoming stay, but what they're really doing is they want to book a tour. They offer $150 American Express card, a gift card, or more Marriott points. But you think about that. If they offer 30 guests $150, that's $4,500 of the $30,000 sale. They've also offered many of those guests a discounted vacation. There's a cost to that. When you buy, there are a ton of incentives, additional hotel points that they might offer. There's the commission to the sales rep, which is 6% or more. And then there's the base salary of the sales rep. The typical Marriott Vacation Club salesperson makes about $94,000 per year. Now consider that. Of that $30,000 initial purchase or the $17,000 that I paid, How much of that was actual ownership in the property versus fees, commissions, and incentives? If half of your purchase are incentives and marketing cost, is it any wonder that the resale value on these properties is so low? Particularly because they're not rent generating, they're effectively break-even properties. So if I look at what the resale value is on my weeks, that I own, it's about $8,500 to $11,000, much less than the $17,200 that I paid because I paid so much in incentives. I was paying incentives for people that came to the tour and didn't buy. And it's not something that's easy to sell because it's a piece of real estate. There's a deed. There's title insurance that needs to be paid, a title search, recording fees, transfer fees. If I sell my timeshare, there's two ways I can do it. Sell it back to the resort, in this case, Marriott Vacation Club, and they would love me to do that because then they have more inventory that they can resell. They say, when I spoke to them earlier this week, that my week is worth $8,200. But after commissions and fees, I would net $4,200. They control the market. The other option is to go to a timeshare resale website. The biggest in the country, in the U.S. at least, is sellmytimeshares.com. I spoke to them on the phone. I wanted to understand the process. The second biggest is Red Week. Sellmytimeshares.com, if somebody buys my timeshare, the fees 
are about $1,200 to $1,500. That would be the closing cost, including the transfer fees, recording fees, the title search and insurance. I'm sure there's a fee that goes to sell my timeshares. So if somebody buys it, just like with any real estate, there's closing cost involved. And if I sell it with sellmytimeshare.com, there's a listing fee that you pay up front because they control the marketplace. It's their network. About $1,900 for one week. If I listed all three, it'd be about $1,600 per week up front. Now, Marriott says, don't pay anybody up front to sell your timeshare. I don't necessarily agree with that. There's definitely have been scams. There was a website, and there still is a website, called timeshareexitteam.com. They just settled to pay over $3 million in penalties to the state. I think it was the state of Washington that sued them. But they made promises, apparently, that just were incorrect, like 100% money-back guarantee if you weren't satisfied. Apparently, they didn't give all the refunds. But these are legitimate businesses. Sellmytimesharenow.com, redweek.com. But they are a business that has to earn money. They charge an upfront fee to list your timeshare. That's an all-in fee. Once you pay that and you sell it, you're not paying the closing costs. So you can figure out, well, here's, and you have to set your own price. It's expensive to resell your timeshare. But the fact that they are worth so much less than what people pay for them is because the price that is paid includes a lot of marketing incentives and other commissions and fees. It's a lifetime commitment, just like with permanent life insurance, for example. We've done episodes on that whole life. One only buys permanent life insurance if they plan on keeping it for the rest of their life. With a timeshare, because you are effectively prepaying vacation for the next 50 years, you have to really be certain. Probably one of the best ways to do this is to buy points or a week from one of these resale sites because then you're not paying for the marketing fees. Now, when you do that, make sure you understand what you're buying. Figure out what week it is or what point they are, and then you call Marriott or Hilton or whoever to make sure it is what it is. For example, we own weeks in Park City. If I resell that, the buyer of those weeks does not have the right to convert them to points to stay in any other vacation club property. They're buying a week in Park City during that window. That's all they get. This listener that wrote me asked, how do we make such an expensive and stupid impulse buy? And is there any way to lessen the damage or hurt? Well, <laughs> I've made the same impulse buy. Although it's hard to say sitting for two to three hours in a presentation is an impulse buy. They can be very convincing. And I have sat, I've probably gone through five or six of these presentations now. Now I don't go. Now they call me, I just don't go. It's not worth $150. I've had sales reps cry at the end because I didn't buy. And I've never bought anything else other than that initial purchase. So I don't want to disappoint salespeople anymore. Because I know I'm not going to buy. Because we're having a hard time using the weeks and the points that we have. What lessens the hurt or damage is to recognize what it is that you bought. You actually bought the right to stay at a property in perpetuity. You paid up front for that right. It's not that these are necessarily mispriced. There's a lot of incentives that were paid up front to get that. But the properties themselves, if you buy a top-tier property 
are very nice and comparable to a, a high-end suite at a Ritz-Carlton or a JW Marriott's or some other high-end brand. So it's a very distinct property, but those properties are expensive to maintain, which is why the maintenance fee is so high. And then if you try to sell it, no, it's not going to be worth what you paid. That's just the reality of how the numbers work. It isn't a scam, but it is the model that's out there. It takes a lot of effort to convince somebody to make a lifetime commitment, just like it takes a lot of effort for an insurance agent to help a client make the decision. Now, hopefully that client, both for a timeshare and permanent life insurance, is well-informed. Go in understanding it, and hopefully this episode will help you understand. This is the economic model. This is why the resale values are so low. This is what you're purchasing. And decide, how is it that you like to vacation? Do you prefer higher end with more space? Perhaps a place you want to go over and over again. You can compare that to actually owning effort it takes to own a vacation home, a second home, which also takes a lot of time to maintain. In this case, somebody's doing it for you. You have a board representing you. If you're considering buying a timeshare, perhaps start by buying off one of these resale sites and try it out. You'll buy it for much less. You'll have to pay the closing cost. And then you can see if you even like that and if you want to purchase more. And if you don't, then you can resell it. You'll take a hit probably, but not as much as you would if you buy it directly from the timeshare company because there it's going to be way, way more expensive than trying to buy on a resale site. And I'm not bought on a resale site, but go to one of the top tier sites and make sure you really, really understand the process before you go forward and talk to the timeshare company to make sure on the deed what it says and what rights come with that particular deed. That then is episode 361. I'd like to help you become a better investor. Certainly the free podcast helps with that. But have you subscribed to my email newsletter? It's where I share an essay on money investing in the economy each week to that list of thousands of email subscribers. I put a great deal of thought and time into that newsletter, and I would love you to be able to read it and learn from it. You can sign up for the Insider's Guide newsletter at moneyfortherestofus.com. Another way I would love to help you become a better investor is by you becoming a member of Money for the Rest of Us Plus. This is the premier investment education platform that's been operating for almost seven years now. Plus membership gives members the tools and resources they need to manage their investment portfolios. Not only can you tap into my more than two decades of investment experience, look at my portfolio trades. But my research is backed by top-tier institutional research partners, such as Ned Davis Research, Capital Economics, MSCI, Refinitiv Data Stream. I curate the most important content and lessons to help you make better portfolio decisions. You also access a community of over 1,000 members to get their insights. Money for the Rest of Us Plus is a bargain compared to a college credit or subscribing to institutional research services that cost tens of thousands of dollars per year or even hiring a financial advisor. You can learn more 
at moneyfortherestofus.com. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education. I'm not considered your specific risk situation. I've not provided investment advice. This is simply general education on money, investing, and the economy. Have a great week.